Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I am the host of the MBA Insider Podcast, and I'm excited today because we have a special edition for you. Um, this weekend, I hosted a webinar uh, helping uh, our first-year in- incoming MBA students think about how they can prepare for business school right now. So what can they do in between now and when school starts to make sure that they're ready for the MBA experience? I had the pleasure of being joined by three current MBA students who, in addition to sharing what their first year was like and, and how they prepared for business school, uh, collectively we covered topics like how to prepare for business school, what that first semester is like, and, and how can you avoid the, some of the common challenges that come with it, um, what the virtual MBA experience is like, and then tips for recruiting in your first year. So take a listen. For MBA experience. Um, my name is Al D. I am the founder of MBA School as well as the author of MBA Insider, and the, uh, I am a UNC Keenan Flagler alum, so go Tar Heels, and thank you for uh, joining this afternoon. Um, I have, we have a great program here for you today, and we're glad that you're joining us um, and taking some time out of your, your Sunday to prepare for your MBA experience. So very quickly, again, uh, my name's Al. I'm the founder of MBA School, um, and if you want to contact me, here's where you can find me. So, um, just a couple housekeeping items for all of you before we get started. Um, so number one, um, please stay on mute, um, but feel free to use the chat function throughout the entire webinar to share your feedback, your thoughts, your ideas, or your questions. Um, and then the second thing is, is that we are recording this and we'll make sure that you all get a copy of it uh, after, uh, after, this, after this happens. And so um, really quickly, as I mentioned, um, I am the founder of mbaschool.com, which is a blog uh, about how to navigate the MBA experience to grow your career. And so if you haven't checked out mbaschool.com, I would definitely head over there. Um, and in addition to that, I'm also the author of MBA Insider, which is a book, which is a how-to guide for navigating the MBA experience. Um, so for the past five years, I've been really thinking and studying this topic. And about a year ago, I went out and did some research, um, interviewed hundreds of MBA students, and I wrote a guide about how you can navigate business school to make the most of your MBA experience. Um, it's a great guide to help you walk you through the very beginning of your time, including leading up to business school, so right now, all the way through graduation day. And it has practical tips and best practices that are really relevant and really helpful to all of you. And it features over um, 60 different MBA students' stories. Um, so if you like what you hear on this webinar, um, definitely go check the book out because um, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of great insights in there for all of you. Um, but today, I'm going to share a little bit of some of the insights from MBA Insider just to kick off um, before I turn it over to my amazing panelists. But uh, to do that, um, what I want to do is I want to talk a little about and just context set and level set with all of you just about what you're going into in terms of business school. Um, certainly, you know a little bit of this because you've done all your homework, you've done your applications, you've put down your deposit, and you're ready to go. Um, but when I think about the MBA experience and really what makes it special and what makes it unique, it really comes back to, I think, four key things. Um, the first thing is, is that it's two years to really invest in yourself. Um, for the next two years, your sole job really is to think about um, how you can um, grow, um, how you can achieve that next set of career goals, and how you can build the skills and experiences you need um, to set yourself up for long-term success. Um, while many of you, I'm sure, were trying to develop your careers on the side um, while you were working, very rarely do you get a chance to spend two sole years just focusing on that. Um, and the second thing is all about the resources. Um, MBA programs, all of which you are attending, all the top ones, have incredible resources for their students to take advantage of, whether it's top-notch professors, whether it's the various programs um, that they offer to help you get real-world skills, whether it's um, faculty administrators, and then certainly all the career resources that you have, um, anything that you need that you want to go out and do, um, there are resources that are able to help you kind of go and achieve that. The third is just this idea around being around really smart, really hardworking, and really intelligent people. Um, many of you probably went to business school because of the fact that you wanted to grow your network or you wanted to take advantage of the network that your school was going to provide. 
Um, and not only is that network going to help you uh, in terms of maybe helping you land a job, but these are also people you can learn from and learn with. Um, you go through the experience together um, with a cohort uh, of other classmates. And um, these are not only people who are in a couple years going to maybe help you land that next job, but when you're in school, they're going to be able to teach you things and you're going to be able to teach them things. And I think it really makes for a great bonding experience. And last but not least, just a stimulative and supportive environment. Uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, you have two years to really develop yourself. And the great thing about business school and being in kind of an academic or education-based environment is the fact that you will have the chance to learn and grow. Um, one of the things that is really great about business school is that while um, I wouldn't call it an entirely fail-safe environment, um, it's a great place to take risks and to try new things or to really push yourself. Um, because not only is it a little bit safer to do in this environment than maybe in the workplace, but when you do challenge yourself and maybe slip up or maybe fail, um, you have people who can help you kind of learn through that experience. And so there are many reasons to go to business school, but when I think about what you're walking into and part of the reason why it's so exciting, um, these are some of the environmental conditions or the cultural conditions of the MBA experience that I think will help as you think about how you can really take advantage of your time there. But with that, um, while it is really exciting, um, it can also be really challenging. It can be really overwhelming. And this is based off of some of the research I've done in MBA Insider, as well as a lot of my conversations with MBA students. And when I ask them about, you know, what are some of the challenges that you face in terms of entering business school, or what are the some of the challenges unique in the MBA environment, there's a couple that come to mind. Um, the first is that it goes by really fast. Uh, and I think the, uh, my panelists kind of, kind of attest to it, the fact that they are already halfway done or a little bit over, almost a little bit of half more than halfway through their MBA experience. Um, time really does fly. Um, and if you're not being thoughtful about how you're planning or how you're um, taking advantage of any given moment, it can be really easy to feel overwhelmed. Um, on that notion of being overwhelmed, um, there's so much that's going on, particularly early on in that first semester. Um, a constant phrase you hear over and over again is this idea of constantly drinking from a fire hose. Uh, and it always just seems like there's so many things that are important that all need to get done. Um, it can be tough to kind of manage. And on that notion, you know, the, one of the things I always say about business school is that one of the values of business school is that there are so many amazing opportunities. And one of the challenges of business school is that there are so many amazing opportunities. It can be really hard to prioritize, you know, what to take or how to, or, or, or what to choose. And on that notion of choosing, um, one of the things that happens all the time in business school, and, and I think our, my panelists can uh, attest to this in some kind of capacity, but this idea of FOMO or the fear, fear of missing out. Uh, because there are so many great experiences, many of which your classmates are all taking advantage of. And if you can't do something for one reason or another, because maybe you have another commitment, it can be easy to feel like you're missing out um, on the greatest thing ever. I liken it to like that party freshman year that you can't go to for whatever reason. You think the world is ending because you think it's like the party of the century and you can't get in um, and that there'll never be another party ever again. Uh, spoiler alert, there is. It's usually the following weekend. But in the moment, you think that it's the only thing that matters. And then last but not least, and this one's a little bit new, is just this idea of managing the unexpected. And certainly everyone always managed, has to manage a little bit of the unexpected. Um, but COVID-19 really threw everyone for a loop and business school is no different. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that a little bit later on, but it certainly disrupted a lot of things. And as we move forward, it certainly will continue to impact um, the way that uh, this experience is going to play out for you. So that's just kind of just to set context of both what's exciting, but also what's challenging ahead. And before I had turn it over to my panelists, I do want to go through a couple poll questions just because I think it'll be valuable just to see where everyone's at. And so um, I go to this next poll right here um, and just using the chat. Um, so I listed out maybe five challenges and uh, would love for you to kind of take a look at these challenges and uh, in the chat, just put mark the letter that resonates most strongly with you. So uh, if it's challenge A, just put A. If it's B, put B. If it's C, put C, et cetera. We'll just see what, where everyone's kind of at right now in terms of how they're thinking about some of the challenges. So looks like we got a couple E's. We got one C. Uh, we're all, yeah, we're all kind of a little bit all over the place. A, bunch of A's, C, okay. B, B, string of B's. All right. Jeff's really hedging here. C, a little bit of E. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I get that. E, E. Okay, yeah. So we're, we're, we're kind of really all over the place. Um, that's, that's great. Well, um, 
What I want to do now is um, we have, uh, we, I, I sent out a pre-webinar kind of survey. And what I wanted to do before I turn it over to our panelists is just to kind of um, give, walk through some of the answers, just to kind of give you context for how some of your peers kind of thought about uh, preparing for business school. So for the first question I asked that I'd love to get your feedback on is, how are you preparing for business school? And here were what the responses were. So it sounds like a bunch of you were taking some math or quant classes, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, a bunch of you are reading some, some business books. Um, if you're reading any business books, put in the chat what you're reading. I can always use book, good book recommendations. I'm sure some of you can as well. Um, some of you were completing your school's pre-MBA materials, kind of varied school by school. A couple of you uh, real go-getters are filling out those career deliverables, whether it's updating your resume, your LinkedIn profile. Um, some of you are just listening to what your career center was telling you. Okay, that sounds great. And then a bunch of you were taking your school's mandatory pre-work. So um, uh, how to win friends and influence people, Dale Carnegie. That's a great, that's a classic. Uh, I think everyone should read that at some point in their life, if, particularly if you're trying to learn how to build relationships personally or in the workplace. Uh, all right, Manolo is reading the goal. Uh, do, uh, we, I read that in business school. Actually, funny story. My uncle read that when he was in business school in the in the eighties. So uh, it's a classic MBA, classic MBA book. Um, all right, great. Um, and then the other question that I asked um, was, "What is your biggest concern before entering school?" Uh, so COVID, uh, the impact of COVID across the entire MBA experience, um, prioritization and time management. How do you manage everything that's going on? How do you know what to do at any given time? Um, whoever said that, whenever you figure that out, let me know. Uh, it's a tough one. Um, the newness of business school. My biggest concern is starting day one and having no idea what to do and then failing. Yeah, no, I, I know I felt that at some point for sure. Careers in recruiting. Um, how much time will I have before I have to determine what I want to recruit for? That is a great question. That is definitely something I'm going to be asking my panel, panelists. And then logistics. This one makes a little bit of sense. So getting your visa, being able to move to the country, finding an apartment. Yeah, those are all really, really important things. Okay, yeah, um, I see some of you all are doing this now. Yeah, definitely put in uh, what, you, what, yours, uh, what yours are. Um, and ride, I highly recommend Ride of a Lifetime, just as I believe um, Vanita and someone else, and Sarah both recommended. Uh, that's a great book. It's a great book. B, C, all right. Awesome, okay, well, um, this is great. It's good level setting just to see where you are. Um, don't worry, we're gonna cover all these topics with our panelists, um, but I do wanna go to our panelists right now just to do some round of introductions before we get into the Q&A. Uh, so with that, um, I'm joined today by th uh, three people, um, and I'd love for them to maybe just do a brief intro of themselves. So, um, uh, we'll just go by the photos. So Elijah, you're first. And so maybe what you can do is you can tell me your name, um, where you go to school, and then um, maybe either the, the last book you read or the last podcast you listened to or what you're watching on Netflix or Hulu right now. Let's, let's go with that. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. This is Elijah Chang. I'm currently a second year at Duke's Fuqua School of Business. Um, the last book I read was When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but it's a really interesting book about um, a neurosurgeon who is diagnosed with cancer during his last year of residency. It's a powerful look and it's a nice way to take a step back and think about how privileged we are to be where we are. So highly recommend it. It's great. How about you, Courtney? Awesome. Hi, everyone. My name is Courtney Edmonds. I'm a rising second year at NYU Stern. Um, the last book that I read was The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. So he's very much known for um, his nonfiction writing, um, especially his piece in The Atlantic about um, reparations. This piece is, this book is very interesting. It's um, an interesting approach to a departure from a slave narrative. So looking at um, kind of like the black experience post-Civil War, but with a lot of like fantasy and mysticism added into it. So I'm personally trying to stay away from the business books, but I definitely wrote down a lot of your guys' suggestions. So thanks for that. Great. Marielle, bring us home. Yeah. So um, I'm Marielle Senna. I'm a rising MBA2 at uh, Michigan. Um, and when it comes to 
all the things I've been reading. Um, I have been trying to now get back into podcasts. It was something I kind of let go after I stopped commuting to work um, and had friends. I'm in the consortium at Ross. I recommend 1619 to me. So I've been listening to this podcast just because so much of our history really left out like the history in particular of the like black community and African-American experience. So it's been really interesting just to learn more about that, especially I'm from California. So that's definitely a lot of history that's missing for me. I know a lot about California history, but not sort of the broader U.S. and and definitely not the Black experience. So it's something that I found really compelling, highly recommend for those that are sort of really looking to build that muscle in particular, too, as you prepare for business school. Great. I think that's great. So I'm going to go with the first question, and um, I'm going to start with you, Marielle, because I'm looking at your tile right now. So I guess maybe just to start, one of the things that came up, um, I prompted it, but it also came up in, in the survey, was just this idea of uh, the whirlwind of the first semester or the first two quarters, however you kind of define it for your school. So could you maybe give some context as to what that experience was, was like for you and just how you, how you navigated it knowing, because it, it is, um, speaking from experience, it is pretty challenging. Um, I think I was really fortunate in that I had spoken to a lot of current students who really made a point of like, as much as you can prepare academically and as much as you can prepare even professionally just to really take stock of like what you want your experience to be like we you all wrote about it in your essays to some degree and you all thought about like what you want to do from a recruiting standpoint and and potentially even pitch some clubs you're going to be involved with but I think really like something that really helped me in the whirlwind was thinking about like not only what do I want to get at this business school experience? Like, who do I want to be in this business school experience? Like, set, almost like setting an intention. Um, and I think that's honestly what helped me in terms of, like, like Al said, it's a lot like a buffet. <laughs> um, you're, you're sort of like overwhelmed by the options. Um, but I think if you sort of like are true to your quote unquote dietary restrictions or your goal of the meal, like, I think that then you're able to sort of like walk away and not feel the like the hangover, the illness like, that you can, that you can sort of get if you just like let the experience kind of wash over you or, or, or sort of take the driver's seat. So um, really what, what to expect I think is, is really, there's going to be a barrage of like all of a sudden you're going to learn about new professional opportunities. Maybe you're, you, you've ditched the one in your essay and that's totally fine. Or maybe you, um, have decided initially, like, I thought I wanted to do human capital and was focusing a lot on MO courses. And now I'm really interested in marketing. So I think, um, you're going to have a lot of academic interests and then like socially, you're going to be, have the opportunity to meet a lot of new people, clubs. Um, so I think that, that, that those first few weeks can really shape, I think what the rest of your experience looks like, especially as you formalize some of your commitments through clubs and things of that nature. So I think it, if you know what you're looking to get out of the experience, the more that you choose clubs and things that can sort of provide structure to building out those goals and, or you find other means of, you really want to build structure and ensure that those goals have like sort of accountability partners to them, if you will. Um, so that it's not just you sort of left to your own devices because there's so much going on. No, I think you're right. And I, I, I think you're absolutely right too about the accountability piece. Right. Um, and so I think it does, you know, particularly because you have, all have the time in theory right now is to start thinking about what some of those uh, goals you might have for yourself or to your point, what you said, like, who, who do you want to be? And, you know, and always, if you can start with, start with the end in mind and work backward, I think that's always a great, a great kind of approach to have it. So, you know, like at the end of your one, like what does success look like for you? And, and if you can kind of define that and then you can start to think about, well, what does that mean for the rest of the year? Or what does that mean for the clubs I need to take or the classes I need to focus on, um, all those types of things. Um, Courtney, I want to go over for, to you for a second. So um, uh, one of the things uh, for you, at least, because uh, I know this because your background, but you recruited for management consulting. You're also now the president of the, management consul- the Stern Management Consulting Association. Um, so uh, consulting is very much, for those who don't know this, uh, a a pretty demanding um, uh, recruiting requirement. I mean, recruiting is demanding in general, but in particular, um, it really is um, pretty demanding. But um, for anyone on who's listening, just um, how is that experience like in the first two quarters of that first semester um, with something like consulting recruiting, you know, and how did you have to like manage that? Because um, it's a lot to do. But in addition to that, you certainly had your, your coursework and, you know, certainly you had assignments with your study teams and 
Um, maybe you had some events afterwards, but also still had to think about how do I make sure I still contribute to my study team and the like, you know, how were you able to kind of like still focus on recruiting, but also make sure that some of these other priorities that you knew were important still got kind of their due? Yeah, that's a great question. Recruiting is going to be challenging regardless of what you do for things like consulting. Um, it's very, very challenging with the cyclical nature of it and, and the very tight time frame that you have from a preparation standpoint. Um, and preparation for recruiting, just to be clear, is not just the let me learn how to case and nail the case or learn the behaviorals and nail the behaviorals. It's also how do I even get the interview in the first place? And that means making honest and, and meaningful connections across a variety of firms that are genuinely interesting to me and where I could see myself. Um, so it was definitely a challenge. I want to echo back to Marielle's point about setting goals because I think that's really, really critical to be able to not put blinders on, but just know what success looks like at the end of your two years. And so you can know that as long as you check those things off, you've been great and everything else that you do manage to fit in is icing, like icing on top of the cake, frankly. So the way that I managed it was thinking about, all right, I have my professional goals. I have my, my social slash like career or not career, but like club oriented goals. And then I have the goals that I need for myself just to be able to like bring my best self to all of those arenas of my, my um, MBA experience. So from the career aspect of it, I think what was really critical was that I knew from day one consulting was plan A. I had a plan B, but I needed to come in knowing that that was going to be plan A so that I would be able to dedicate as much time to it as possible because it is very demanding. So I think what's important, like what you can take away from that is use this time during the summer, um, which you're already doing now by being a part of these conversations to really outline what is my plan A and what is my plan B so that you can go into the school semester knowing this is what I want to recruit for. And if it's wrong, that's okay because you can change, but you want to like test the hypothesis and fail fast so you can like quickly redirect, not feel like you're getting lost in the shuffle or losing out on time. So coming in, knowing that that was my plan, exactly the firms I wanted to make connections with and what I needed to do to be successful was really critical for me on the preparations on the preparation side. On the schoolwork slash club engagement side, that was setting like pretty narrow goals to be honest. So I made an appointment very early on with my Office of Career Development. We call it OCD at Stern, um, which is kind of a weird acronym in retrospect. But I made an appointment early on with um, one of the one of the people there, which I do urge you all to do with your schools. I think a lot of people say, I'm not sure, I don't know what I want to do, so I don't know what to talk to them about. But it's also their job to help coach you through what it is that you want to do. So we talked in terms of, I'm going to focus on consulting. What that means is this is kind of the time that I'm going to have to dedicate. So I'm going to focus on two or three clubs that are really important to me, one from a professional standpoint, and then one from like a social standpoint. So I was very involved with my affinity group, um, Hispanic and black business students, um, as well as some other like more social groups that I was just a participant of. But I only took on board two board positions that I would have the time to dedicate to the academics and then to the recruiting. And then from the personal side, like that last component, so I can bring my best self, a lot of it was have the grace to know that I don't have to say yes to everything. But now that I have this like narrow focus of what is important to me and what's going to help me to achieve my goals, then it's just like backfilling what is the self-care that I need to do. So I don't need to be out every single night, um, making sure that I'm getting good amount of sleep as much as possible. And if I can't do it during the week, like make sure I can do that on weekends. So some of like those little things that are going to make me feel as comfortable as possible. And I think that helps with, you know, spreading out the commitments, but also spreading in a little bit of the self-care to make everything manageable. But it really... It really did require like very intentional planning up front with the idea that if this is going to be wrong, if consulting is not the right fit for me, I want to know that early on so that I can like reshift into what's going to be the right fit for me post um, post MBA. Yeah, a lot of great insight there. A couple of th things. Number one, really think it's important on the self-care piece or if, you know, just in general, just the idea of taking care of yourself. Business school is a challenging experience. And I think the the better you can, the, you will show up when, as your best self when you spend the time to, to take care of yourself. I mean, just simple as that. And so while it will, you know, get busy, while there will be 
a lot of things that you need to do. I highly encourage you, and it sounds like my panelists agree, to figure out the things you need to do to bring your best self to work each day. Um, so highly recommend that. Um, Elijah, I want to go over to you, um, but before I do that, um, would love to hear from the folks in the audience. Please use the chat. Um, why don't you throw in what you think you want to recruit for um, in, in the fall? And if you're not sure, you say what you're between. And if you're really not sure, just say not sure. But just throw it in the chat just so we can get a good sense of where everyone's at of what you want to recruit for. So, Elijah, what I wanted to go over to you for was I know you did um, have a couple ideas of what you wanted to recruit for. And there's maybe a couple paths. Um, so I know there are some people, I'm already looking at the responses right now, who are maybe vacillating between a couple things. How did you kind of manage the fact that you were evaluating a couple different options and then certainly while, you know, having to balance everything else that you were doing too? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for context, guys, what I was deciding between recruiting for was management consulting, product management, and brand management. And what I did was I took the route of recruiting for all three at the same time. Thankfully, when you recruit for product management and brand management, it's not so time consuming compared to recruiting for management consulting. I completely just would echo everything that Courtney was saying about recruiting for consulting. It takes a lot of time, particularly in the evenings when you have to commit time to socializing, making those really important connections. Um, it sucks a lot of time from other aspects of your schedule that you would consider important. So you really need to be intentional. But because um, product management and brand management weren't so time intensive, basically all I had to put in was early on when different firms came to campus, I would take maybe an hour or two in the evening to meet up with them, make sure I had someone's contact who I had a great conversation with, make sure I had someone I knew who knew me and who liked me. This is really, really important, guys, by the way. People don't say this that much, but likability is key. Not manufactured likability, not forced likability, but just being your genuine self and being someone that someone would want to work with. I mean, I wouldn't want to hire someone that I don't like. So that's really important when you're going to these events. And honestly, it saves you a lot of time. Um, so what I did with um, product management and brand management was I just made sure I had someone I knew who I had a good relationship with. And I just kept tabs with them. And I made sure they still remembered who I was while I was spending the majority of my time recruiting for consulting. Um, ultimately, I did decide to go with actually, interestingly enough, a hybrid product slash brand management role at Abbott. Um, but I will say, for those of you who are concerned, I don't know how to choose between A, B, or C, it is possible to navigate or just simultaneously pursue multiple options at the same time, because not all options are as time-consuming as, say, consulting or investment banking are. Um, it will be a little tougher because you do have to put in that extra you know, few hours a week. But if those other options matter a lot to you, you'll be willing to put in the time. And frankly, if you find yourself not willing to put in the time, that just means those other options should be removed from your list and you should be more intentional about the time consuming option. Um, so that's basically what I did and I hope that's helpful. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. And I think uh, that's a really good point. Like if, if you're not, if you find yourself not wanting to put in the time that that is your answer right there. The, uh, I think where I, sometimes I see the mistake and, and I'll throw it back to you, Elijah, because I'm staring at it again. Um, you know, a lot of people go to business school because they do want that chance to explore. Um, and the nice thing about business school is that you will have the chance to decide how you want to allocate your time. Um, the challenge is sometimes is that whenever you choose to make a choice to spend your time on something, you're acknowledging that you're not going to be spending time on something else. And so it's, it's more of just a trade-off. And so I always tell people like, yeah, if you want to spend four months, like exploring like 12 careers, like, yeah, like you, you could do that. Um, but at what cost is that going to come at in terms of all the other things that you might have like on your, on your checklist of like things that you want to do in business school, whether it's in a classroom or uh, whether uh, it's through student activities or et cetera. And so it's, it's less about, um, you know, the, the notion of like, no, like you, you, like if you need to explore, like you should, you should explore, you should, you should feel confident in what you want to do. It's just that um, you may not necessarily have the chance to spend your entire time doing it if you want to do other things as well. Cool. Um, I want to go over to uh, Courtney again. Um, so one thing that I was going to, I was going to ask you about just in terms of academics. Um, so one of the, I think the comments that I got was just this, what that experience was like. And obviously, um, you know, I think most people at some, to a certain degree have a level set in terms of going back into the classroom, um, 
you know, certainly some people had some experience in business classes in undergrad, but some, some didn't. So there's maybe a little bit of that there. Um, there's certainly a little bit of adjustment of many of you have been working anywhere from like two to five years and it may have been a little while since you've been in the classroom. So there's a little bit of adjustment there. And then the other element of this too, is that, um, you know, everyone pretty much is in a cohort or a learning or a learning or like a, a cohort or like a group. And then you have kind of like your study team or your learning team. Um, so I'm just curious for you, um, how you kind of navigated some of those, those aspects of the academic experience. And, um, and then also thinking about like how you navigated academics with something like career or student activities, because both of those were also important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what was really motivating for me to come back to school and get my MBA was getting a challenge again and being able to learn again. Um, so I'm on the longer end of work experience in terms of being out of the classroom. Um, I worked for about eight and a half years before going back to school. So it was a very big transition um, to just be back in a classroom, um, learn how to navigate keeping track of school deliverables, lectures, um, readings, notes, on top of the career, um, the career focus that, that is just a function of doing an MBA. Most people are coming to elevate their careers to career switch. So there's that tension that happens between the academics and the career side. I think the first thing that, you know, I thought to myself from like a mental standpoint is that, you know, what I'm learning in the classroom is going to help me in my career and is also very applicable going to help me at least in my, my consulting um, case interviews. So I really made it a goal to, to never skip class unless I absolutely had to for a coffee chat or something, something extreme. Um, and I think that that's also going to be kind of helpful from a time management perspective because it forces you to, to have a schedule and keep to it and, and fit in the things that are going to that are going to be a priority to you. So I really focused on um, going to classes and making sure that, you know, I got all of that material as much as possible. And it was funny because I remember being in like my Bain final round and getting stuck on a next step in the case. And I could hear my strategy professor rambling something crazy in my head and just kind of vomited the same thing in that interview. And it got me unstuck and it got me to like what the next step I felt would make sense in that case um, so I think that sometimes there's a disconnect of how what you're learning in classes will apply to how you're going to be successful in your interviews, um, but they really are correlated and I want to emphasize that because I think that was lost um, in what MBA 2s above me um, communicated in the past. Um, so that was really important. In terms of navigating and, and maintaining that balance between the two, what's nice about working for a long time and not being in, at least an undergrad is that you're not an individual contributor anymore. You're going to business school to become a leader. And that means learning how to navigate teams and navigate social interpersonal dynamics. And the cohorts and these study groups are built in because that's a microcosm of what you should be doing when you leave business school, which is learning how to communicate your needs, learning how to share deliverables and making it about teamwork. And so I think understanding that it's not just about your individual contribution, but these teams are set up to help you get through the academics as well was what got me through my first semester. Because if I tried to pound through every single problem set, every single case, every single written assignment on my own, I would have failed. But because I was able to share the work with my teammates, let other people who were friends in my classes know when I needed help, we were able to share that burden. And that's what allowed all of us to be able to get through and get what we needed to be successful from recruiting, um, but also be successful with like the learnings and takeaways that we did want to get to be able to validate why we're doing this degree in the first place. Um, so I would say like really rely on your team and recognize like you're not here to learn how to be an individual contributor. You're here to learn how to work within groups, share that work, um, distribute it effectively and like get what you need out of it. So that was really important for me. I think that made a huge difference. Otherwise, like don't, you're not an island. Just never be an island. If you think you're alone, you're not find someone. People are more than willing to help. And, and I think that you know, everyone will be successful that way. No, I think those are all, those are all really great points. Um, and uh, uh, a lot of great questions coming in. Um, so Zachary, uh, you had a really good question about, you know, finding that in-semester internship beyond just cold calling. And for folks, uh, this, I think what he's referring to is, you know, in addition to like a summer internship, you know, maybe something during your first year, um, maybe in like the spring or something like that, or even like a second year like internship. And Mario had some really great advice in terms of uh, being able to work with clubs who sometimes bring in uh, companies or speakers 
Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is Zachary, which I think I just wrote was um, around uh, uh, a lot of times professors have great relationships with companies um, or in some cases individuals, whether it's because they know them or in some cases they're actually doing research with them. And so sometimes they might be able to help you out in terms of helping you either find an internship for credit, maybe it is paid, or in some cases, maybe it's just a mini project. But those are all different ways that you can kind of think about how do you build those skills and experiences uh, in addition to internship. Um, so really great question. Um, feel free to come and keep coming with the questions in the chat. We'll keep going with them. Mario, I do want to go back to you. And I want to um, want to throw out a hypothetical to you. Um, but I also think it's probably something you experienced at some point. I know it's something that I did. So my hypothetical to you is that um, going off the steam of just having multiple priorities, um, you know, let's say like you're th going thinking back to like last year. Uh, so you have like a couple company of events in the evening, um, but you also have an assignment that's due with your group tomorrow and you're supposed to meet with your group tonight, but you have these two events that you also need to go to. How would you kind of handle a situation like that? Um, you know, what, what, what's going on in your head? Like, how would you kind of manage that? Because I, I think that's a pretty real a pretty real scenario that most of us will have to face at some point. So you're putting me on the spot with the behaviorals, Al. I know, uh, I know. What did, what did you know what you signed up for? <laughs> um, no, I think there's two really important takeaways from that. I think first, like, is, is planning. Like, and people plan differently, but I think you, you definitely want to, A, plan and then communicate. I think those are the two main things that I would say, like, do and repeat, do and repeat. Um, so I think first and foremost, it's like, try not to get in that situation where like the night that you've picked is when the companies are coming. I think I have never been as much of a calendarer as I became during business school. Um, but also things will come up, right? Like maybe um, a recruiter that you met during a presentation offers to meet with you another time, but really it's communicating with your team and setting expectations. So maybe it's, you can't meet, but you're happy to review the notes and contribute on a piece that doesn't require meeting together. It's, it's again, trying to plan so you can avoid that circumstance if at all possible, but recognizing that so much of business school is like in the moment. Um, and so I think the more you communicate with people and set expectations, um, a like your, your teammates are going to be understanding or in the event that, um, it's an individual assignment. Um, and like, you can always get together with a professor. Um, but again, first acknowledging that like, yes, I know this is due tomorrow. Um, but the more you can communicate and, and plan, the, the, the less likely you're going to have, I think a lot of the situations that end up getting sort of people in trouble with their classmates, right? Like, I think most of the time, anytime I've been really frustrated with a, a teammate on a project or something is when somebody's just not communicating, they like don't show up to a meeting um, or they say they're going to do something in the last minute so they can't. So um, it's just really keeping that communication open um, and setting expectations and also like giving grace to people because you'll always have to, at some point, even if you are the one constantly grant, granting grace to others, there will be a time when you sort of need to like ask somebody else for help um, because it really just isn't doable by yourself. So that's, I think that the number one um, is just communicating with everybody else and, and ensuring that you remind yourself and each other that you're all on the same team. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Well, two great points. Number one, um, I think it's really important just to have those difficult but adult conversations up front. Um, you know, everyone's there for a reason and goals and like you shouldn't, um, no one should feel ashamed of that, but you know, part of that, part of being an adult is just setting those expectations and having the hard conversations, even if they are hard, but to your point, um, everyone's got their thing. And so the more you can be empathetic, I also find that the more people are willing to kind of be empathetic, you know, towards you. So, um, totally. it kind of, it kind of works in both ways. Um, Elijah, I want to go over to you again. Um, so there's a question here about, um, uh, what, um, if you could do it all over again, what would you have done differently about your first year? Oh man, that is a question that I ask myself all too often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I typically break down how I spend my time in business school into five main buckets. So you have academics, you have career, you have social, you have sleep and you have personal. And, um, Honestly, I wish this, you know, this might be controversial. I, I wish I slept less and gave more time to the social bit of things. I think I put too much time in academics and too much time in recruiting. 
Um, but it's the people you meet at B-School that really, really define your experience. I can't emphasize that enough. Your classmates, those crucial relationships you make, it's worth a lot. Um, anyway, I wish, I wish I had spent more time um, talking to my classmates. That's, that's more of a social aspect. Um, but as far as career, I would say before I came to B-School, I spent quite a bit of time doing research on industries, what to expect during recruiting. Um, but there are a lot of nuances that you don't realize exist in the recruiting process until you actually do it. So I wish I had called some second years while I was an incoming first year and gotten more of a personal testimony from them saying like, oh yeah, you know, specifically at our school, you got to pay attention to this and that. Because if you look at general resources online, they can help you a little bit, but you know, there are just nuances that are different for each school. And there were certain things about, let's say, recruiting for consulting at Fuqua specifically that I had no idea I needed to um, deal with when I came. And that set me back a little bit. So I wish I had done more of a personalized, specific kind of research for the career department. Um, I would say those are the main two things. Yeah. Um, so, Courtney, I want to go over to you. Um, so I think it's appropriate now to, to really hone in on the, the virtual experience. Um, all, number one, because all of you lived it. Um, but number two, I mean, we're all kind of learning at the same time as to what fall is going to be like. And, um, you know, I think it, part of it's also going to depend on, you know, what state you're in and what things look like there. But I guess maybe um, number one, could you share a little bit about what the virtual experience was like in terms of your last um, quarter? Um, and then maybe number two, um, I know you didn't necessarily recruit virtually, but, you know, as president of the Management Consulting Association, you know, what are you thinking about in terms of the guidance that you're going to be giving to the incoming first years uh, as they, you know, as you start to think about, you know, the fact like there might be virtual, you know, company events versus, you know, on campus or um, some of those other, some of those other types of things? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, it's one that that is on our, all of our minds right now. Um, just from like a broader school administration question down to, oh, I think someone might not be on mute. All right. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a really big question from like a broader top level, like administrative standpoint of the university down to like, what are we even thinking about it from like a wine club perspective for like people who are running the wine club and have people who, you know, might not even be in the country right now with, with the way that, you know, county, state, federal guidance is looking like. Um, so I'll start with my virtual experience in the fall, um, at least from an academic standpoint, since I didn't do um, recruiting, or sorry, in the spring, I didn't do recruiting in the spring. Um, it's a transition for sure. Uh, I don't think I had realized how difficult it would be to go from being in a classroom environment to being, having to conduct those lectures or do those cases with a group over Zoom. Um, and it's funny because I emphasized a lot how the classroom experience was important to me in my, in my essays applying in the first place. So I probably should have recognized the toll that it would kind of take. It's really hard to maintain focus when you're staring at a dark circle in the middle of your screen right now and trying to be engaging and just the latency, um, the lack of, of, um, it's just body language that you're getting from people. It takes a toll. I think what was helpful was, you know, all of our lectures were recorded um, for the most part. And I think that a lot of schools do that. And so being able to get multiple touch points with the material, so watching the lecture or rewatching on my own time, or maybe not even attending the lecture, but instead watching the recording and stopping and starting and taking notes on my own, that helped me to be able to absorb the material in a way that was going to make the most sense for me. And I think a lot of schools are now trying to navigate, well, how do we kind of offer our programming almost through like a multi-channel aspect to take advantage of who can be in the classroom, who isn't going to be able to be in the classroom, who doesn't feel comfortable, in the, comfortable being in the classroom um, and attack it at all angles to make sure that the quality of like the MBA product isn't taken away from. So it was okay because there were enough ways that the content was being offered to me that like I could kind of bespoke figure out for myself like what I needed to do so still attending the lectures and then watching recordings afterwards helped me to make sure that I was still getting what I needed out of the content um, from what the professors were delivering to us and they were much more amenable to like creating extra office hours and just making sure that they were really supporting us as much as possible like I can't speak to 
like other business schools, but I imagine that like a lot of it is the same. And it's because like they're very invested in making sure that they can, you know, give you a good quality product, which is your MBA experience. Um, and it's a big part of the conversations that you know, we're having, even with faculty right now, is we think what went well last semester and how can we improve it next semester if everything is going to be virtual or for the portions that are going to be virtual because, you know, it may end up being some type of hybrid um, approach for a lot of schools. In terms of what to expect, um, I would imagine that the recruiting piece is difficult because it's not just about the guidance that we're getting from a governmental aspect, it's also what you what do companies feel comfortable with exposing their employees to? And do I feel comfortable sending 15 people to um, uh, UCLA Anderson to do a career fair versus can I replicate that over, um, over Zoom? I am on the side of, you know, all of the recruiting random events and dinners and career fairs. Like there's kind of like a recruiting industrial complex where like it kind of we over indexed on doing too much of that stuff. And I think now you can almost like, probably have a better opportunity to drive more of the recruiting that you do. So using LinkedIn, that's something that we did that's not going to be dissimilar from what you guys will do in the fall, where you know we would reach out to people over LinkedIn and say, hey, you work at this firm, they come on campus, I can have a coffee chat through them, but I can see based on your profile that we have something in common, and so I'm reaching out to you and building that engagement. So I think that there's going to be a lot that's offered from the school through Zoom, through like a lot of like companies that are offering these virtual like webinar or career fair formats, but I think there will need to be an element that's self-driven. Um, that being said, I think that it's actually gonna be better. It'll allow for more organic touch points because you're identifying what the connections are and reaching out to those people immediately versus walking into like a random networking circle and hoping that you can find something in common. So I would expect a lot of that where you drive it on your own, but I think that it could actually end up being like a net positive for people who have to drive more of it on their own in the future. Yeah, I think those are great. I think those are great insights and certainly things are evolving um, and just trying to figure stuff out. Um, I was on the phone with a school this week and one of the things they were telling me was they were thinking about uh, partnering with a couple other schools and with one company to be able to, and then to figure out a time where they could host like a webinar that could be amenable to their students who are still overseas. Um, and so there, there's a lot of things that are happening in the background right now, people trying to get creative. Um, and so it's going to evolve, but I would just say uh, it's it's going it's going. And but I also think that also opens up opportunities for creativity. Um, no one thought about doing anything like that before. Not because we didn't aren't smart or like uh, didn't have the technology. Like we, I mean, granted, Zoom has come along lately, but um, it's just we didn't have to because there wasn't that constraint. Uh, but now there's this constraint, and so I think there's going to be some interesting things that could happen. And even um, I actually in the spring. Um, I had a lot of people who were reaching out. And so like, I would do stuff like this where I would say, all right, like, I'd be happy to do Zoom, but like, can you bring five of your classmates and can we do like it in a small group? That way, like, I, I don't have to do like one after another. And I think that was actually great in a lot of ways because people could see other people asking questions. And uh, it was, I think, I think in a lot of ways it added a lot of value. And so I would just say for those who are curious about it, um, it's evolving, but also, uh, this is also an opportunity for you to write the rules because it really is uncharted territory. So um, it may feel a little overwhelming, but there is opportunity there. Um, uh, Mario, I want to go over to you because um, you had some experience recruiting virtually. Um, so could you maybe talk a little bit about your experience and then um, anything you've learned or any any insights you want to add as well? Yeah, I just echo so much of what Courtney is saying in that, like, I think the silver lining, not that we don't want to focus also on like the atrocities <laughs> that are happening around us. But um, the silver lining is that you are definitely much more in the driver's seat. Um, and so to just give you guys some background, I had an internship that I accepted very early, like when school was starting. And so for me, I was like, great checkbox, like not recruiting. And it did like, um, you know, give me a lot of time for other things. But uh, then actually due to COVID, my, um, my uh, internship more or less was very dramatically altered from like a, a, a real consulting engagement to like a two week training. So I ended up re recruiting completely um, virtually uh, starting actually around the beginning of May. So during a lot of the height of, of COVID in particular. Um, and I think there's a few different things I would recommend. It's just, it's first really thinking about like, as you're having conversations to people with people. And I think this is whether it's virtual or not is like, 
come into the phone call a with like an easy ask for the person. Um, like don't just like chat and just be like, that was great. Like you're probably calling them because you haven't asked for them. It could, and if the ask is just, I'm trying to learn more about this job or opportunity, that's awesome. But it could be like, Hey, like whether it's, are you guys hiring? Like I'm interested in some of the things that you recently did at X. Like, are there any people there you might be able to connect me with? Like have a clear ask or takeaway, um, from that call. Um, and use alumni. Like again, like I go to Michigan Ross, we, joke, we we like to think that we have some of the best alums out there. And I'm sure the other folks on the call would, would say the same for their schools. But like alumni are really, especially now, like trying to find ways to help and a very easy way to help is to have a phone call with you. Um, so reach out to alumni. Um, and even like I went in so far as to put a LinkedIn post with just like my situation, I made it public. Um, and also just like let a, like people help you. So even if that's like some of you guys were saying, you know, how uh, can I connect with people in maybe more niche industries like private equity, real estate, whatever, like make it, make that known on LinkedIn. Like people w will want to connect with you. Like look up like an area of interest, your alumni network or companies, your alumni network. LinkedIn has a ton of different ways to um, really filter. Uh, and then also use the resources that you'll have at business school. So you're going to have your career services that if they're, it's going to be new to them, but everybody's going to be recruiting virtually. Use them to find out what companies have openings and when um, to do some of your planning. Like I had a few openings literally emailed to me directly from my career services because they were like, so we don't want, we haven't been approved to post this because the company doesn't want to sh like so, so many people applying, but you have some of the experience they are looking to get. So here you go. Like develop those relationships with that office. Um, it, it's as easy as having a coffee chat with that career advisor, but they're going to think of you when things, when things come across their desk. Um, and then engaging with clubs, like great roles within clubs are those that are in corporate relations. Because, you know, you just because you take an offer with one firm or one company, if you're building relationships with multiple firms um, in an industry that you're interested in, you're going to have a lot of relationships with rec recruiters and people that are on their sort of like recruitment marketing team. So that's another really great way um, is if you're looking for a leadership position um, or you're really focused on an industry. Uh, is those those roles within clubs will really help connect you to people because those are people that I went back to. I was like, I helped organize a conference. I went back to people that I'd helped bring to campus. I was like, hey, are you hiring? So it's really, you know, to be said, it's relationship building, whether it's virtual, whether it's over the phone, whether it's in person, um, and fostering those relationships as much as you can because those are the people that are going to show up for you when potential shit hits the fan. So, yes. That's great. Um, so I'm going to go, we're coming up in the hour, hour here. So I want to go through one last round of questions. Um, uh, but before I do that, before I go over back to Elijah, I would love for folks to put in the chat. Um, I think all of them have just gave some really great insights about how they're going to navigate the how, or how they've navigated the virtual MBA experience. And they've given some tips about how you can as well. And so why don't you put in the chat, like one thing that you're going to do through as a result of what they said about how to best navigate uh, the virtual experience. So just put that in the chat right now. And Elijah, I'm going to go back to you for a second. Um, so this webinar is about really preparing for business school. So would love to know from your perspective, either from what you did or just from your own kind of knowledge, like what are one or two things that um, incoming students should be thinking about or doing right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's definitely something I asked before I started business school. Um, I'm going to touch on it on the two main areas of focus that I did, which was academics and recruiting. So basically just preparing for that pre-business school. Um, for academics, what I would say is take a look at your core curriculum. Um, schools have a core curriculum. You don't really get to choose your classes typically for your first two quarters. And because you're going to be in the thick of recruiting during your first semester at business school, you want to make sure that you don't come into your classes and especially if you're recruiting for an industry in which your GPA matters and you're looking at that stuff for the first time, because then you have to take time away from recruiting, time away from socializing and taking care of yourself to now begin to jog in that course, whereas you could have hit the ground running if you had done just a little bit of pre-work. So what I did was take a look at the core curriculum and identify classes that you're like, okay, 
I know this class is going to be a potential weakness for me. I know that I don't have ex too much exposure to, to statistics. I could just take, you know, maybe an hour or two and just look at some videos on Khan Academy. There are some, a lot of helpful things on YouTube, a lot of helpful resources online, specifically even B-School resources that you can look into. Um, so find your weak points and just make sure that when you start the year, it's not the first time you're seeing those things and you have some kind of foundation built up. I'm not saying take down the whole syllabus. I'm just saying build that, build that foundation early on so you're not found with too many weak points. Um, regarding recruiting, I just got to emphasize what I had said earlier, which is do more than just the broad research of what your options are, but it would even be more helpful to talk to second years or classmates or alumni who have been in those industries. So you get a real insight of what it'll be like to recruit for that industry at your school specifically. Again, I have to emphasize it's different for different schools and the requirements are different. So take the time to just talk to a few people. It's usually just 20, 30 minutes and um, you'll get a lot of insight from that. So I would think about doing that hitting up alumni specifically, and also just making sure you do have the broad research so you know what industries you're interested in the first place. I know personally when I started school, despite having done research and made different calls, I, I was confronted with industries I actually didn't know would come to campus and I was still kind of blindsided by a few really cool opportunities. Um, so anyway, just basically what I'm saying is minimize the surprises that would put you in a weaker position, both academically and from a recruiting standpoint. And it's, it's not a huge time commitment nowadays. You just spend a couple hours a week, a couple hours on the weekend, and you'll find yourself in a much better position. Great. Uh, Courtney, uh, same question. Uh, anything you want to add, like one, one or two things that students should be doing right now to hit the ground running for the first year? Um, yeah, I would um, bucket across like kind of two people or two types of people. I, I, and, and for context, I did not have um, a business background. I, I studied <laughs> Chinese and government undergrad and stayed away from the business school. So I'm bucketing this across people kind of with a business background, either through academics or through work um, without a business background. For those who have that background and can look at their core classes and say like, okay, finance, accounting, stats, um, I'll probably be fine. Um, I would index on knowing you're kind of starting to prepare your 30, 60 second pitch in terms of like having like a really good authentic story because you use it so much and you can flex it across industries. But like, it was, it was interesting. I found that people actually really struggled with that early on. And there's a lot of material that's given to you to prepare, but just like be very clear on like, what is your story? what do you want to be presenting to people that's going to get them excited about your candidacy and them coming to your school? So I think that that's something that you can flex on. Um, and then my second point would be like having a clear list of goals. Like what are the top two things I want to achieve across academics, career, social clubs and activities, and then personally. And I think that that'll be like good prep that you can do to go in knowing like you have a plan at least a start, but like you have something that you can start flexing with. For people who don't have the background, I echo what Elijah said. I did some preparation over the summer, like I took some additional finance um, stats and accounting just to have a baseline um, to get started with because I would be in classes with CPAs um, or people who had worked in IB previously. Um, so spend a, don't index on it too much, but spend a little bit of time where like you have a little bit of familiarity where you're not going to be entering the classroom and start doubting, should I even be here in the first place? Because you should be there. But if that's going to make you feel comfortable, take a couple of hours, do like a Khan Academy. I think I, there was one offered through my school. I think other schools do the same. Um, there are a couple of other ones that I'm blanking on at the moment, but I'm sure like MBA school has like a lot of this preparation um, materials listed as well. So I would check that, check, um, check Al's website. The second piece I would tell people without that business background is the same as the first set, which is have that list of goals, top two to three things across school, career, club, social, personal, and go into that and like just know that you're going in for like a learning experience. But I think that'll be like a good baseline um, to be prepared with and not feel like you're going to be caught flat footed when you get started. Great. I think that's great advice. And just so everyone knows, um, we're a couple minutes over, but we're going to keep going. If you have something going on, feel free to drop. Thank you for joining us, but we're going to keep going. And the other thing I'm going to say before I give Mariel the same question is if you have any questions yourself, throw them in the group chat because the next thing we'll do is answer all of those. But if you need to drop because you got to go to dinner, you got something else going on. Thank you for joining. We're going to keep rolling with the show. So Mariel, same question to you. 
one or two things they should be doing right now to get ready for business school? Um, I echo so much of what Elijah and Courtney have already said, but um, I think just to also even just emphasize what I said earlier, like in addition to just planning and goal setting, really, and I know this is going to sound like frou-frou, like I'm bringing yoga into the business school world, but like setting an intention of like who, who you want to show up as, like I think will really help you navigate what could sometimes be difficult decision-making, right? It's like companies have a mission statement, a value statement. Companies have a purpose statement and want to know why it helps them make decisions quicker, easier, help decide like, should we pursue this innovation? Should we not? And I think people don't do that enough. Um, and so you have the time you've, you've already done a lot of introspection. Like, again, you, you've gotten into business school. You've had to at least tell somebody authentically like who you are and why you want this. Um, so I think the more that you can put pen to paper on that and do, I think again, what Courtney's saying, don't just have a story for the recruiter, have a story for your classmates, like have a story for yourself. Like that's really going to help you be a lot more convincing in an interview setting. It's going to make you more convincing when you're out at the bar meeting classmates, like people want, are going to want to learn about you and know you, and you have an opportunity, like you could, you could change your name. You're a new person now. Like, I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is like a blank slate. Like you now can be who you want to be and who you're meant to be. So like, don't underappreciate the fact that this transition really is an opportunity to like make, make that happen. So I know those are super broad. Um, but I think that Elijah and Courtney already did a good job of some of the more tangible stuff. So those are my other two. Great. Um, Mariel, if you do decide to be an organizational behavior consultant, you're cut, you're definitely cut out for it. I mean, you can oh, you're going to be a great marketer. So that's great. But like, if you wanted to, you're definitely on the path. So, um, Thank you. and I mean that in a good way. Um, but to the other point, I think that both you and Courtney made, um, the amount of times you have to introduce yourself in business school, it, I, I don't like, I don't even know what it is. It's in the hundreds. And so being able to, and to your point, not just concoct like a, you know, a, a, a verbatim elevator pitch, but to really think about like who you are and like how you, how you kind of say that and how you introduce yourself is really important. And I would say, I actually just gave this piece of feedback, um, Courtney, to someone in your career center the other day. Um, one of the things that separated some of the really great uh, MBA intern candidates from just the so-so ones was their ability to tell the story about themselves in the interview. Um, and so that starts though with your elevator pitch. And so, um, I definitely think it's worth it to really think deeply about how you kind of tell the story about, um, how you tell the story about yourself. So, um, other tactical things that I think could be helpful to this audience. Number one, um, if you've already moved somewhere or you're moving somewhere, um, learn all the things that you, all the, all the stuff that you know, you're going to need that's locally there. So like, figure out who the dry cleaner is, figure out where the grocery store is, figure out where the target is, like all those things that like um, you may not have time to think about once you get started, just ask the second years where, where they are and just make sure you just have them, um, you know, doctor, dentist, you know, all the things that, um, you know, like your, in my case, my mom would want me to like figure out um, it, what's worth doing those now. Um, and then the other thing, I mean, there's probably a common list of deliverables that every career center will have you do like when you get to campus, if they haven't started you in already in terms of resume, cover letter, company list, um, networking list, and like LinkedIn profile. If you're a super, super go-getter and you have some free time, I'd reach out to your career center and just say, hey, what are the templates for these or what are the guidelines for these? And, you know, um, a lot of places I know they'll work with you leading up to business school. So if you really um, do feel enterprising, um, definitely, definitely take on some of those as I think, uh, as I think that could be helpful. So uh, those are my um, those are my two cents. Okay. Um, so um, we're a little bit over and I'm just going to check to see if there's any other questions. Um, it doesn't, um, it doesn't look like there are, but um, I do want to make a quick plug. Um, if you're looking for any additional resources, a um, couple of things I have in mind. Number one, if you feel free to check out MBA Insider, it's on Amazon. It's designed right for you all right now. So um, I think it'll be worthwhile for you to read. Um, the second, feel free to check out mbaschool.com. There's a lot of great um, resources on there. Um, I would definitely go and check them out. Um, all three of, uh, or all three of these folks are featured on there in some way, shape or form, or Courtney's to be featured on there pretty soon. So, um, definitely check out their stories and there's a lot of great content to help you navigate and get ready for school. Um, my, uh, podcast, uh, NBA insider, you can find it on Apple, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. And then 
If you want to subscribe to my monthly newsletter, check out mbaschool.substack.com. Um, and so that's where you can find more information. Um, uh, Stella Park asked about pre-MBA internships and Courtney said she wouldn't recommend. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I think it's, at this point, it's probably, if you're thinking about this year, it's probably a little, I mean, you could probably swing it, but it'd be pretty tight. Um, if there, I, I would highly recommend that if there's a skill or experience you know you want to get, I would think about how you could get that through other places, whether it was Elijah said, you know, Khan Academy, um, or, um, you know, or honestly, just instead of, you know, doing, uh, I don't know, a pre mb internship in product, product management, go into, go interview 10 product managers for an industry that you care about, and then write up a, a summary of what you learned and then post it on Medium and share it with your classmates. I think that would be actually pretty worthwhile. Um, and then, uh, Marielle, yes, uh, also agreed there. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense um, for sure. Great. Well, um, if there aren't any other questions, uh, thank you all for joining. Um, uh, but if uh, we'll hang for like a couple minutes in case anyone else wants to ask anything, but we appreciate you making time with us. Um, thanks to our panelists who did an amazing job and also took out some of their time on a Sunday to, to join us here. So um, thank you everyone and uh, have a great rest of your evening. Thanks guys. Great to meet all of you virtually. Yeah. Hi everyone, LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.